Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we hear from the Small Business Administration and how they are helping small businesses in the Kansas City area. Then we look at how wedding businesses are doing as they gear up for what is expected to be a huge year. My name is DC Benincasa, and I'm joined one last time by my co-host, Ian Laird. That's right. This will be our final episode of Business Brief together. How does it feel to be wrapping up this chapter of your life? I've got to say it feels bittersweet. I'm excited to see what the future holds, but I really enjoyed my time here, not just at Missouri Business Alert, but in Columbia, too. It's been fun working on this project, and I can happily say I'm proud of the work the entire podcast team has put in to make this show happen on a weekly basis. I couldn't agree more. For those of you listening to this, DC and I will both be graduating the day this comes out, actually. As a result, we will be moving on from our hosting duties. We might both play some behind-the-scenes roles to ease the transition to the new hosts, but this will probably be the last time you hear our voices on Business Brief. To help with the transition to new hosts, Business Brief will have a short break as the new staff are brought on. You can expect to see new episodes starting back up in June, and having already seen some of the content that will be coming your way, I'm excited for what the future holds for this show. With that out of the way, let's run through things one last time. As always, we'll start with headlines. Missouri's $49 billion budget for the new fiscal year that starts in July is headed to Governor Mike Parson's desk. The largest spending plan in the history of the state was passed just before the constitutional deadline and features $2.9 billion in federal funding from the American Rescue Plan Act. Some notable items receiving funding are an increase to the base salary for teachers, funding for Medicaid expansion, and a one-time tax credit for Missouri residents of up to $500. An unprecedented amount of federal funding, along with a significant budget surplus, allowed for the large spending plan. However, some conservative members voiced concerns that continued funding of programs could be difficult in the future when both pools of money are no longer available. Elsewhere in the legislature, lawmakers passed a multi-million dollar tax credit for farmers. The bill extends the tax credit for the modernization and expansion of meat processing facilities to try and alleviate an industry that at times struggles logistically. Missouri is the third largest cattle producing state in the country, and cattle farmers are often forced to schedule the butchering of their cattle at least a year in advance because of the bottleneck at some facilities. The tax credit would allow smaller and mid-sized processors to ramp up operations and hopefully ease some of the supply pressures on the industry. The bill also extended the wood energy tax credit that incentivizes the use of discarded sawdust and wood. In Kansas City, government workers are set for a pay increase following negotiations between the Municipal Employees Union and city officials. For full-time employees, the minimum wage was increased to $17.35 an hour while the part-time employee minimum wage raised to $16.12 an hour. The raise amounts to at least a 6% increase for all employees and an average raise of more than 12%. Pay increases have been a hot topic in recent months, with the nation currently being hit by the highest inflation in four decades, combined with labor shortages across many industries. City manager Brian Platt says the move will help make Kansas City more competitive with other metropolitan areas. The raises will go into effect on August 1st. On the other side of the state in St. Louis, Anheuser-Busch added another sponsorship deal with the local sports team. The Brewer announced a partnership with Major League Soccer expansion team St. Louis City SC that will include naming rights to a portion of the stadium and a role as the official beer of the team. 
Anheuser-Busch will have naming rights to a 14,000-square-foot fan area at the south end of Centene Stadium. St. Louis City SC has wrapped up several sponsorship deals recently, including one with Centene, which acquired the naming rights to its stadium, and Nestle Purina Pet Care Company, which will be the team's jersey sponsor. For our first piece, it's time to talk about Small Business Week. That's right. Small Business Week was the first week of May, and this year the theme was Building a Better America Through Entrepreneurship. To learn more about this year's Small Business Week and some of the programs available to help Missouri businesses, reporter Emily Hood talked with Rom Bassnett, the Deputy District Director of the Kansas City Small Business Administration Office. Here is some of their conversation. So today I am joined by Rom Bassnett. Rom, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Emily. Uh, happy to be here. It is National Small Business Week this week. Can you tell us a bit about the history of Small Business Week? Sure thing. So let's start off with the, the importance of small businesses in our economy, right? So there are over uh, 32.5 million small businesses in the U.S., which are considered the heartbeat of the nation's economy. Uh, small businesses accounted for 66% of net new job creations over the last 25 years. So they are huge job creators. The Small Business Administration was created in 1953 to help small businesses start, grow, expand, and recover their businesses from declared disasters. In 1963, President Kennedy signed the first presidential proclamation for the National Small Business Week to honor top entrepreneurs in every state. The tradition continues today, and this week is the 2022 National Small Business Week, and the theme is Building a Better America Through Entrepreneurship. All right. So now let's dive into some of the resources that the SBA offers. And I want to first start with the SBA's Small Business Development Centers. So can you tell us a little bit about what those are and about the different types of centers that are offered? There are uh, various organizations uh, that are partly funded by SBA that provide professional, high quality counseling and training to small businesses. Uh, These organizations can assist small businesses with various topics, including business planning, financial projections, marketing, export assistance, sales, management, et cetera. Among these organizations that are partly funded by SBA, uh, one of them is the Small Business Development Centers. It's a national network uh, that provide uh, training, counseling, and various assistance to small business owners across the country and US territories. We have 12 service centers here in the state of Missouri. Um, Here in Kansas City, we have the Small Business Development Center at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Uh, Another organization is also the Women's Business Center. There are various centers across the country. Uh, Of course, they can help uh, anyone uh, with starting or growing an existing business with their services. However, the primary goal is uh, promoting women entrepreneurship. Uh, Similarly, we also have Veterans Business Outreach Center across the country. Uh, There is one based out of St. Louis that covers uh, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, and Nebraska. You touched on this a bit, but can you tell us a bit about the kinds of counseling that business owners can find at each center? The the generic counseling, you can can, um, get this counseling from all of these um, uh, service centers. Uh, Some of them might be a little more um, um, nuanced in in certain aspects of like technology or things like that. But uh, overall... um, all of your small business needs should be um, uh, fulfilled from these centers. And many times they have a network of uh, national uh, centers. So if, if a center does not have that uh, capacity or capability, they usually connect you with a resource that, uh, that can provide you that service. 
So, so anything from, hey, I have a business idea to, I want to export to foreign countries or I want to um, uh, sell to the federal government and, and anything in between. How can having this counseling, having these business resources help entrepreneurs when they're in the early stages of their business? Starting a business is a daunting task. Uh, there are so many things uh, associated with starting, uh, an exist- starting a business, right? And many times the founder is the individual that does all of that work. Now, you might be wondering, like, should I write a business plan? Should I write a, a financial projection? How do I create one? Should I go reach out to a bank asking for a loan? Uh, and, and many things in between, right? So having a mentor or a counselor certainly helps in the aspect that uh, they can tell you step-by-step uh, step what you're supposed to do next. So the counselors would be your ally to guide you uh, through that process so that you, you, make, you take calculated risks, you make informed decisions, and uh, you're headed in the right direction. How can having a mentor when you're pitching for financing, maybe pitching for a loan from a bank, really help small business owners who are seeking to do that? We have often found small business owners um, go to a bank prematurely, and then, of course, their loans are declined. And, uh, and sometimes people put up that idea and continue with their day job. And we do not want that to happen uh, in the sense that um, you need to be aware of what, is, what, is, what are the components of those financing, right? Well, what are banks looking for? For example, a sound business plan, a, a good financial projections, uh, a market research, and things like that, so that you can adequately uh, and uh, intelligently tell the lender how you're planning on making that money and why the lender would give that loan to you, right? So having a mentor uh, helps you, um, um, you know, critique the business idea, uh, poke holes at your business idea and make sure it's like a, a, a viable sound business plan. So we touched a bit on entrepreneurs who are in early stages. How about some entrepreneurs who are in more later stages of their business? Yeah, so at that point, uh, the business is stability and then trying to grow, uh, maybe get into a different industry, uh, you know, trying federal contracting opportunities and things like that can be uh, of interest to uh, small businesses at that stage. And having a mentor certainly helps them uh, with, with, with marketing, uh, planning, preparations, and things of that nature. I would like to thank our guest this week, Ram. Thank you so much for being here today. No worries. I'm happy to help. For our next piece, we turn to an industry that was heavily hit by the pandemic. A lot of businesses come to mind there. What specifically are we talking about this time? We'll be looking at businesses that help with the planning and servicing of weddings. I do remember hearing about some of the issues they faced during the pandemic. Do you care to provide a bit more context? Sure. A lot of the businesses in the wedding industry struggled during the worst of COVID-19, as many people avoided large gatherings. With policies such as social distancing and masking, Planning of weddings became extremely difficult as people were wary of hosting big events. So I assume a lot of weddings got postponed. Correct. But as vaccines became widely available and federal and local governments started to roll back pandemic restrictions, people finally began feeling comfortable holding weddings again. Reporter Skylar Rossi has more on what is expected to be a booming year for wedding businesses. Wedding season is officially underway, and this year is set to be the busiest in a long time as couples who postponed their weddings over the last two years because of the pandemic finally set the date. There will be about 2.5 million weddings across the country this year, the most since 1984, according to the trade group The Wedding Report. In Missouri, small businesses that provide flowers, music, photography, and other wedding services are welcoming the surge after a tumultuous two years for event planning. When the pandemic hit in 2020, most large gatherings were canceled, so businesses that relied on weddings for a majority of revenue had to pivot or face shutting their doors. 
Dennis Cox had to make that call in 2020, a time he describes as scary. He's the co-owner of Spark Events in Springfield, which offers photo booths, videography, and DJs for weddings. He remembers asking customers to consider postponing rather than canceling altogether. Now it's the opposite story. He says his event calendar is jam-packed even outside of the weekends. We're seeing a lot of, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday weddings. Um, just any date people can book, they're, they're booking it. Cox has hired more people to his staff of 38 to keep up with the event demand. He also pivoted to offer new services such as live streaming. Training is a huge thing. Um, networking with our staff is a huge thing. Um, and really going with the changes of the industry, going with the changes of, you know, clients, brides and grooms, um, corporate clients, going with their changes. In the flower world, business has been steadier over the last few years. In 2020, many people shifted to micro-weddings or smaller gatherings of close friends and family. This kept business going for florists, many of whom also pivoted to offer more daily services, such as funeral and Mother's Day flowers. However, these smaller weddings also created some new challenges. Typically, wedding flowers are booked months in advance, says Betsy Ford, the co-owner of Lily Floral Designs in Kansas City. But in the first year and a half of the pandemic, Ford and co-owner Lily Williams say they often receive calls weeks and sometimes days ahead of an event. A lot of those, a lot of last minute stuff, a lot of people coming to us like, hey, we're getting married in two weeks. Can you make this happen? Or we're getting married on Saturday and it's like <laughs> Wednesday and they're getting married like in Loose Park on Saturday, you know. Many couples rescheduled their larger weddings for 2021 and business was good for many florists. That demand turned into $375,000 in revenue for Lily Floral Designs last year, more than double the goal they set when they opened their storefront weeks before the pandemic began in 2020. Williams and Ford have both been in the floral industry for years prior to opening their business, so they know that the current market isn't typical. They'll have to wait and see what their business looks like outside of the parameters of a pandemic. And so, like, moving into this year, we don't really have anything to, like, look at as far as what's normal for a wedding season. <laughs> so we have like no true data on where year, we should like land. yearly growth type thing. Yeah. Lisa Molitor, the owner of the floral shop Belly Fiore in St. Louis, says her final rescheduled wedding is planned for June. She's also been slammed with events for the last year. So, you know, where I will normally do between 80 and 90 weddings in a year, we did about 110. So that was quite an increase for us last year. The uptick in events resulted in a revenue jump of almost $100,000 for Belly Fiore last year, Molitor says. Typically, the shop brings in about $525,000. But this year, she decided to cap the number of events her and her team of four will take on to about 100 to relieve some of the stress on her staff. My existing staff, I just don't want to put that kind of pressure on them. And because I'm not really sure you know, if we go into a recession or something happens in the next couple of years, like I don't want to grow my staff and then not have enough events to cover it. Businesses have also had to navigate supply chain holdups and rising market costs. At Spark Events in Springfield, Cox says the price of real print film has increased by 800%. Flowers have gone up in price for many reasons, including travel restrictions and increased gas costs. As a result, these wedding businesses raised prices recently to avoid major hits. It shocks some customers, but mostly people have been understanding, the owner said. And I think sometimes they don't think about that until they see a proposal and they're like, well, why is it so high? Well, because flour, everything has gone up. I mean, look at the price of bacon for crying out loud. 
Most of the business owners are expecting demand to return to normal soon as postponed events get into the books. But if there's one thing learned from running a business in the pandemic, it's that adjusting as challenges arise is key. It is now time to move into our words of the week. What do you have to start us off this time? I've chosen eminent domain. Why eminent domain? Well, it's a term referring to the practice of the government seizing private land for public use with some form of compensation being paid to the owner. Why is it in the news for Missouri? The Missouri legislature this week passed a bill raising the bar for the use of eminent domain in the future. The Greenbelt Express's use of eminent domain will be unaffected by the bill as it only applies to future projects. The Greenbelt Express is a power line carrying wind energy from Kansas across Missouri and Illinois to Indiana. From there, the energy would be used to power several eastern states, and municipalities along the path of the power line will be able to plug in as well. You said eminent domain is for government seizure of private land. So why is a private company allowed to do this? Well, this fight has been playing out for the better part of a decade. Back in 2019, the Missouri Public Service Commission deemed the Grain Belt Express met the criteria to be a public utility, granting it the right to eminent domain. Since then, it has continued to face opposition. Invenergy, the company developing the line, says it has only been using eminent domain as a last resort and has been paying landowners 110% of the property value. So what is the recent legislation change? The legislation only refers to future utility projects, meaning nothing will change for the Grain Belt Express. The new law would set higher regulatory hurdles for future projects to acquire land, and it would require them to pay higher prices to landowners that aren't willing to negotiate the sale price of their land. What word have you chosen? I have chosen jobs. The job market has been hectic recently. What's the latest labor news? Businesses are continuing to hire despite high inflation and supply shortages. In April, employers added over 424,000 jobs for the 12th straight month, according to the monthly jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And the unemployment rate is near its lowest level in a half century. So it sounds like things are looking up in the job market. What are we seeing with wages? Wages are also continuing to increase. Hourly wages rose three-tenths of a percent from March to April and are up five and a half percent from a year ago. So jobs are being created and wages are going up. Are there any drawbacks to this trend? Some economists worry the strength of the job market could keep wages and inflation high, which could lead to higher borrowing costs for consumers and businesses. The wage growth will also likely lead to growth in consumer spending, which is another contributor to inflation. The Federal Reserve is expected to continue to push interest rates up to cool down the economy. It will be interesting to watch the Federal Reserve's effort to rein in inflation. Definitely. And with that, we head to our closing thought. Here is Rom Bassnett again, talking about the importance of forming and maintaining a relationship with the resources that the SBA offers, even if they don't seem immediately necessary. Now, um, a suggestion that I have for small business owners is reach out to these uh, resources, um, uh, be um, familiar with them, uh, and don't wait until you are in trouble to reach out to them. Sometimes they might have some ideas that might help you avoid uh, some situations or even uh, do something that uh, you're already doing better in a different way that is more efficient and things like that. What we also have learned during the pandemic is small businesses that have existing relationship with these resource providers uh, and also including banking relationship, they were able to um, receive the pandemic-related assistance much quicker than um, uh, organizations or small businesses that did not have that existing relationship. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing the music for this episode. 
for my co-host Ian Laird, assistant producer Kaylee Anagita, and editors Kelly DeRook, Jack Knowlton, James Marshall, and Wicker Perlis. I'm DC Benincasa. This has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening over the past several months, and make sure to check back in June for more episodes.